You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. Maintenance court, what is what is it all about? In the first part of this conversation, we covered what the maintenance court covers and how it works. And we made a very clear distinction that issues of access to your children will fall under the family court or the children's court. So those issues actually don't coincide together. I know some of you, when we're engaging in this discussion, were contacting us to say, listen, um, please help me because I couldn't afford maintenance. Um, I actually now don't have access to my children. There are two different issues and two different courts that get dealt with on these issues. So you can still go and approach the court. And we know it is a massive problem where, um, you know, children are being withheld from their parent. And I'm saying that specifically because it's not just about a father or a mother having access to their child. It's also about a child having access to their parents. Maria Palane, Senior Maintenance Prosecutor at the NPA. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much and good afternoon to the to the listener. And also joining us on the line, Kamakhelo Lukubu, Director Office of the Chief Family Advocate. Hi, Kamakhelo, how are you doing? Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm good, 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 really, and um, yeah. I'm looking forward to questions around this topic today. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, um, you weren't with us uh, before, Maria, but Kamakhelo, maybe just recap for us. Which kind of questions can you answer? What do you specifically deal with as um, uh, in the office of the chief family advocate? The Office of the Chief Family Advocate looks at the best interests of the child and um, amongst other issues, we look at child custody issues. We look at issues involving children uh, whose parents are uh, in the process of divorce. We we do reports on um, the best interests of the child in divorce matters and we deal with maintenance as well. Mm-hmm. And on your side, uh, Maria, as the senior maintenance prosecutor at the NPA, which kind of issues do you deal with? Uh, in our case, we deal with the processes of maintenance, taking you through uh, the application. But most of the time, the application is done by the by DOJ. We come in when we go to inquiry and we come in when somebody is not complying with the maintenance act. That's where we come in to make sure that uh, after the court order has been made, people are complying with those court orders. Mm. Because sometimes we find that we have made a court order and the person is not complying at all with the court order. So, so at, that's where we come in. Yes. Yeah, so at what point does a person get given a court order? Is it a scenario where... Um, you know, whatever the two parties agreed upon, be it divorce or they were never married in terms of maintenance of a child. And then, you know, in in most cases, it would be the mother that is going to say, listen, I need to get maintenance out of this person for my child. Um, at what point is a court order dished out to the father or the parent that's not playing their part? Okay. Uh, the court order will be done. What will happen is one of the parties will come to court and make an application for maintenance. Mm. And uh, sometimes it's given at the divorce year. 
Uh, but most of our court orders, you'll find that one of the parties come to court and make an application for maintenance. After that, uh, then we'll go through what we call an, an informal inquiry. That's when uh, the parties will come before the maintenance officer and at the end of the day, uh, come to an, a certain agreement that this is what will happen. Uh, and after the, uh, if they reach an agreement, if they are fortunate enough to reach an agreement, then the court, will, the, the agreement will be taken to the magistrate for the magistrate to make that court that that, that agreement a court order. Mm. And that will, that is when we will be saying we have got a court order. But sometimes you find that if they don't agree before the maintenance officer. Then the matter has to go to court for the maintenance for the court to make a decision. Uh, to to come up with a decision that this is what will happen. This one will pay this one a certain amount of money. Sometimes it's not about money only. Mm. Uh, sometimes you find that uh, the court says you must pay school fees for the kids. Mm. You must pay put the kids on the medical aid. All those type of court orders. But then it means that we have a court order. And once it is made a court order, once the court the court is made by. The, the agreement is done by the maintenance court, then that is that is what we call a court order, and it has to be adhered to. And if somebody is not complying, then the magistrate will have, I mean, the court will have to come to uh, mm. play so that the person is made to comply with the court order. So prior to the part where everybody shows up in court and there's an agreement, what if the father doesn't show up to court? Can a court order be um, issued in their absence? Yes. Uh, the minute somebody... Uh, can, I, can I first... Sorry, Maria. I think it's oh, very no important... Yes, I think it's very important for um, the listeners to understand the role of the the role of the NPA and mm. the DOJ very mm. because sometimes people confuse uh, the two roles and when it comes to maintenance uh, our roles are really kind of obs- they they join much more than normally mm. but uh, operational reasons when they come to court and you find that there is a party resisting mm. to come to court to make agreement or even to be uh, asked questions about their financial status and their capacity to pay maintenance. Mm. They dodge a lot. They do quite a lot of things to evade maintenance. The Department of Justice provides, you know, our role as the Department of Justice, we provide our maintenance, our, our mandate is to provide support within the court environment. Mm. And that support is in the form of a maintenance investigator and maintenance officer and maintenance clerk. The maintenance clerk is the first person that you will come in contact with who will provide you with, adva- with, with um, J101, which is the application or the application forms that are required for you to make a particular um, uh, application because there's first applications and there are various many other forms of applications that I would like Maria to talk to as a process person. So we will provide that. The maintenance investigator basically is empowered by the Maintenance Act to go and find the whereabouts of the 
defendant, let, mm. let us say, because the applicant will come to court. Sometimes we don't even know where the, I mean, the applicant does not even know where the defendant is. Mm. They investigate authority to go and investigate his whereabouts or his financial status. Because, you know, as partners, you don't normally share information about how much you earn and so on, mm. unless if you are married. I, even when then, when married, they're married, some of them, they don't know. That doesn't happen. You know, now you divorce and you <laughs> don't know anything. When married in community of property, that doesn't happen always. But in relationships where you find that partners were not married, it is much more difficult to actually extract from the defendant as to their full amount of financial status to enable the court when they do the inquiry to determine what is in what is what are the needs of the children that can be covered based on the financial status of both parents because mm. remember the legal support is from both parents so mm. if you do most of the time people who are in business they just say i don't work but you find that this person is a mechanic or is a person who owns a fleet of taxis he has a big house. His child, his other children are going to. We have heard about those people that say, "I don't work," and it's exactly yes, like what you are saying. These people are the people that we are worried about because we are very happy with those who come and say, "Look, here is my salary. These are my expenses, and therefore I can afford." But the tricky question is for those that, for those. Defendants whose financial status cannot be readily discerned, even mm. from a banking statement, mm. Mm. then we have an investigator to go and do a deeper inquiry. Mm. Thank you. I'll give it over to Maria because Maria needs to say that in those instances, as a maintenance officer, because the NPA also has maintenance officers. Yes, I understand the way that you've ex- explained. Yes. Yes. They normally specialize in criminal processes, but they also assist us because we don't have capacity in doing civil processes. And she can take the matter up as to how they go about dealing with uh, instructing the investigator how to get further information. Thank you. Uh, Maria, you, on Maria. your side? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Uh, okay, uh, what happens is the maintenance, the each and every prosecutor appointed by National Prosecuting Authority in the district court most of the time, they are deemed to be maintenance officers in terms of the Maintenance Act, Section 4 of the Maintenance Act. So, as I've been appointed by NPA, I'm also the maintenance officer. So it does not, there, is, there is no great distinction between maintenance officers appointed by DOJ and the maintenance, the, the prosecutors by NPA. They are all regarded as maintenance officers. Mm. So, okay, the, so what happens is we also do inquiries. When, when the minute uh, the, maintain, the maintenance class receives a, compl- a complaint that somebody is not complying with the, is not compli- is not paying maintenance for his kids, in fact, mm. then the court will then the, the file will be taken to the maintenance officer, either DOJ or the 
prosecutor in, in court because not all our courts have got maintenance officers appointed by the Department of Justice. Mm. So mm. in those cases, the, main, the prosecutors in those particular courts are supposed to deal with maintenance cases as if they are maintenance officers. Mm, mm, mm. So let's so take... Minute, yes, sorry, sorry, Maria, go ahead. Okay. So the minute we receive a complaint that somebody is not... The minute some, the, the maintenance clerk receives the complaint, then that complaint will be taken to the maintenance officer. Then the maintenance officer will decide which way to take. We, are, we have got different ways to take. The, you find that somebody is formally employed. If somebody is formally employed, then you just for, you, you just request for 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 the bank uh, the bank statements of that particular person through the maintenance investigator, of course. Mm-hmm. Request for bank statements. Of that particular person, request the bank, the, the payslip from the employer, and then you you can subpoena that person to come to court for an inquiry. And if the person fails to come after you have issued the subpoena, then the person fails to come to court. Then in that case, you are going to you can ask the court to make what we call a default judgment in terms of Section 18 of the Maintenance Act. Then after the default judgment has been made. The default judgment will be made. The, the default judgment is a court order. So once the default judgment has been made, then the default judgment will be taken to the, the, the I mean, the, to the employer of that particular person and to the person who is supposed to pay maintenance. Mm. And if the person has a problem with the court order that has been made, then the person has got 21 days after having uh, after having knowledge of the court order to come to court and make an application for either the setting aside of the court order or the reduction mm. thereof. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if somebody doesn't come to court, then we'll go for default judgment. Unfortunately, if somebody is not uh, formally employed, if somebody is not formally employed, what we will do, we will make an, we'll make an application for a warrant of arrest. Mm. Because somebody, because it will be difficult to make a default a default. Uh, order where somebody is not formally employed because that person will 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 continue not complying with the court order all right we're gonna have to just pause it there thank you so much uh ladies for that input we need to take a quick break we'll get to your whatsapps and questions when we come back 702 masterclass in our masterclass today we are talking about maintenance court this is part two of the conversation if you missed the first part head over to 702.co.za or to the app where you can listen to the podcast of the first part we are chatting to Kamakhalo Lukubu director office of the chief family advocate as well as Maria Palane, Senior Maintenance Prosecutor at the NPA. So, ladies, maybe you can share with me, and um, just to give you a heads up, we've got about two and a half minutes before we go to the news. There are so many um, people, men in particular, who have the complaint to say, I don't want to run away from my responsibilities, but what can I do if a person is either refusing to take money from me, as in providing the relevant banking details and information, or they've even reached a point, and yes, we acknowledge access as a whole different conversation, where they've blocked me completely. So I don't have access to where they live. I don't have, they've blocked me on their number. I can't get them on social media. So how can I, as the father, do the right thing? You know, uh, I think. 
Oh, come, come, let's just start again. We, we just lost you for a second. Just start again there. Okay. Uh, I was just saying that uh, people need to understand that maintenance and access are two different issues, as you said before. The child has the right as a child. When they are born, they've got a right to access both their parents. Mm. So if we do deny the child the access to one of the parents, then we are basically violating the children's act. We are violating the law. Mm -hmm. Even violating our own constitution because section 28 of our constitution it is so imperative and it's in the best interest of the child that the child has, you know, the experience of being raised or having contact with both parents if they are alive. Mm. So this needs to be understood. What a party who does not have access can do, they need to basically go to the police and do to ask for investigation or do their own investigation. But they have to come to children's court. The children's court deals with access matters. Mm. And I need to emphasize this. Maintenance does not equal to access mm. and vice versa. You have to maintain your child because you have a duty to support the child. And on the other hand, the child has the right to have access to both parents. So we need to understand that very, 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 very clear because it's in the best interest of the child's development to have the benefit of values from their father and their mother as mm. they develop. So in the event, of course, and we'll, we'll have to pick this up when we come back from the news. I want us to just touch on what can a parent do if the other parent is MIA and they have no way of contacting them? How can they get that information? Because when they do apply to the courts, they need to submit something. 702 Masterclass. Our masterclass today, part two of the discussion on maintenance court. We've got Gamakhelo Lugubu, Director, Office of the Chief Family Advocate, as well as Senior Maintenance Prosecutor at the NPA, Maria Palani. So a question, um, um, you know, for you ladies is that earlier on we were speaking about the scenarios of if a person cannot get in touch with the person with the information. So I know, Gamakhelo, you were speaking about access and how a child has the rights to access both their parents. But I'm talking now in a situation where if a father is saying, I want to pay, I want to show up, but this person is not allowing me to contribute to the child's life. And I mean, separate from the access conversation, obviously they will go together. And if he does not have the information of the mother of his child, where can he go to go and find out where the mom lives so that when they do come to the court, they have all the information that's required? Okay. Uh, In this instance, it is, it is very, very important to come to court and declare and indicate these circumstances of your case. Because remember, a maintenance case is not for the benefit of the mother. Mm. It's for the benefit of the child. 
It's the needs of the child and the quality of life of the child that we look at. So the maintenance investigators will do, will go and do the investigation Mm. to track where the mother is so that this issue is brought to court and maintenance is paid. Mm. So we look at the matter from the child's best interest point of view. Mm. At all times, when the courts are dealing with cases involving children, there's no way we cannot say, no, uh, 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 the investigators are only coming, should only come into play when there's a maintenance application. Mm. The of both parents and the child, I mean, the court uh, sits, uh, looks at the best interest of the child. So we will definitely be able to investigate. It would be a very rare occasion. Mm. But in any, whilst we talk about access, generally when you want to trace and, and have access and the the other party has gone a well with the child, you have to go and report the case to the police. We have family violence, child protection and sexual offenses investigators within uh, the subs. The FCS police will be involved and they will investigate and help you track and trace the mother who has gone AWOL mm-hmm. with the child. All right, let's quickly take a call. Ivy in Renberg, hi. Hi, Rebo and the team. Thanks for a great show and hello to your guests. Uh, my question is, um, if the father of my child has not been supporting and the child is now 18, can she take it upon herself? Because, uh, I mean, at this age, she's a young adult. Can she now turn around and sue on her own behalf? Mm, thank you for that question, Ivy. Okay. Uh, let's say the, ch- the, the mother did not apply for maintenance and the child is now 18 and the child says that I, there is a need for maintenance, isn't it? We only make an application for maintenance if there is a need. So if there is a need for maintenance and the child is not self-supporting, that child, that young adult, is allowed to come to court and make an application for maintenance. There is no way that we can stop the child to say, you are now 18, you cannot apply for maintenance. The maintenance is supposed to be paid until the child is self-supporting. So if the, the, if the child is now 18 years and the child cannot support himself or herself, that child has a right to come to court and make an application for maintenance. And does it does it matter if does it matter if the mother is able to maintain? No, the maintenance is supposed to be paid by two parents. Both mm. parents are supposed to contribute towards maintenance. Mm. Sometimes, yes, the mother feels that you know it's cumbersome to go to court and make an application for maintenance and all those things. But now the child is old enough. The child feels that I do need maintenance from my father. Then the child has the right to stand up and make an application on his or her own. Okay. Okay, thank you so yeah. much for that. Jabu in Boxburg, go ahead. Yes, afternoon. I, I've got a, a, a question here. Say you've got a two-year-old child, and the mother says I want 5,000 maintenance a month, and then you ask, what is it for? And she says 2,000 is for pampas, uh, 1,000 rand is to pay for the school, uh, another 2,000 rand maybe to pay for food, and then she's specific about the type of food that is required. So what did you say to the mother? 
okay, I will the, the 1,000 for the school, uh, I will pay directly uh, like for the school, and then the, the pampas for 2,000 rand, uh, you can go and collect them at checkout or I can bring mm-hmm. them each month, and then the food, I mean the food, I will bring you food vouchers every month, maybe for 2,000 rand, you can go and collect the food at the uh, 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 maybe local supermarket or egg checkers or what because I mean there's a, there is a voucher system I mean is that is that allowed can I ask you something Jabu are, are, are you making those suggestions because you're concerned that she's keeping some of the money for herself 702 Masterclass as we wrap up this conversation, ladies, would you, uh, any of you like to respond to what the caller was saying, that the courts are basically filled with women who come from broken marriages, they're divorced, they don't have family values, and the, basically that the court discriminates against men? I think it's, it's important for members of the public to understand that when you go to court, two sides of the story has to be heard. Um, the clerks are there as, as to give you forms, to help you fill in forms. Now, when you question the integrity of the family advocate um, officer who assists you with parenting plans, when you question the integrity of the magistrate who sits there, I have a big issue with that because these are people who are trained in their profession to conduct their work in a particular way. Mm. But at the same time, I'd like to say that people need to complain. I would say at all times, if people are disgruntled about our services, whether they are long delays and all that, you send the complaints, even to the highest office, to the minister's office, we will attend. I, I, I find it very difficult that somebody goes to court from the time a child is one year to the child time the child is 10 years. Mm. Often try to make sure that there's resolution of the problem quickly. Mm. But parties can decide to be litigious. Every step of the way you find that some issue is taken to high court before we can resolve the court at a, a children's court level. So the, it, it depends on the nature and circumstances of your case. But 10 years for me, I think, is too long. Uh, Maibuya is welcome to send a complaint with clear statement of when the case started, the case number, and all that, so that we can in the investigate where are the log gems and, and assist him in a, a speedy resolution of this case. If you go to court, try not to be litigious every step of the way. Try to hear. People who are there, judges have the experience and the knowledge to come to a conclusion in the best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, ladies, what is the ab- what is the absolute last resort? I can give them Maria. Oh, okay. Maria, go ahead. Okay. On what this guy has just stated, uh, I think you have answered him correctly when you said that uh, it's not we are not based on whether somebody has a disgruntled family or what, but we are guided by the law to 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 uh, as to what is it that needs to be done, 
And yes, if she has a problem, uh, as, as my, colleague, my colleague has indicated, she must just raise that concern. His concern to the highest authority. Most of the courts, uh, there are phone numbers for court managers for according to the ranks. You can just take those numbers and indicate that I've got a problem. My case has been on the roll for so long. I don't think that it is done because somebody is not married or somebody is not coming from a family as viewed by mm. other people. Um, no. Can I very quickly ask you, ladies, because we are running out of time. In a situation where one of the parents happens to be a foreign national, are the courts able to govern over that person, especially or in the event that that person happens to be in the country illegally? Can you get them to maintain a child? Okay. But, okay. As, as my colleague has indicated, when we come to maintenance, we are looking at the best interest of the child. You understand? We, are, we, are, we cannot say... Uh, this person, because this person is illegal in the country, then the person cannot maintain, can just have a child and not maintain the child. Mm. We will definitely look at the best interest of the child rather than any other thing. Any other thing, the, the, the illegal part of it will be taken care of the, by the immigration laws. Yes. But in our case, we'll be looking at the best interest of the child. The person is here illegal, the person has got an uh, has got uh, an income because we don't work on salary whether the person is getting a salary or not we are working on whether the person has got means to maintain the child if the person has got means to maintain the child we are going to follow those means to make sure that the child is being taken care of and, uh, the legal part of the immigration the immigration uh, laws will take care of that one Ladies, unfortunately, we, we, unfortunately, we have run out of time. There are so many issues and so many WhatsApps. We didn't even get an opportunity to go through my apologies. This is why we are having a part two. Maybe we can revisit the subject another time and maybe focus on one particular area. Thank you so much to our guests, Kamukhalo Lukubu, Director, Office of the Chief Family Advocate, as well as Maria Palani, Senior Maintenance Prosecutor at the NPA.